Hi Tim, this is Dennis in Toronto. Just thought I would inform you that yes, visually impaired slash blind people can use an iPhone. I am totally blind and using an iPhone 3GS with the new capabilities that they added in the 3GS of having voiceover. On the phone, it is entirely possible for those of us who are visually impaired to use an iPhone and an iPad. Uh, appreciate the show and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you. Tim Robertson. This is OWC Radio number 32. Like I just said, I'm Tim Robertson, and I'm joined this week by Bill Palmer. Hey, Bill. How you doing, Tim? Good. You are the owner and publisher of Beat Week. What is Beat Week for those who don't know? Uh, Beat Week is uh, is a hybrid publication that covers uh, about half our coverage is uh, iPod, iPhone, iTunes, iPad, and the and digital the lifestyle. Of, yeah, all that, all that uh, mobile Apple stuff, and and the other half is uh, actual music, interviews with musicians and entertainers and things like that. So kind of a 50-50 split, and uh, you know, it's all, all meshed together. And, um, like well, that makes sense. And waffles. You know, it's, it's, we have these devices, and we like to consume content on them. And so you are on both sides. You are on the device itself and the stuff that we play on the device. Yeah, well, you know, I, I just cover this, the kind of stuff that I find interesting, and it's like you said, you know, I bought an iPod because I wanted to put my 300 CDs on it, not because it was shiny, so. You actually had a business when you started uh, of doing just that. I did, and I found out I, I um, it's not that I'm a bad businessman, per se, it's just that I much more enjoy being a journalist than a businessman, and so, you know, I got to a point several years ago where it was like, well, I got to do one or the other. You know, I can't put 100% focus into both. And it was like, you know what? I'm a journalist. Screw it. I'm a writer. You You're know? a writer. And that's, I, you know, I have to agree. You are a writer. I've been reading your stuff for a long time. I think that's how I came to know you originally. I found your uh, personal website. And uh, I think I contacted you through there originally. And this was, I want to say, six years ago, maybe, maybe longer. You guys, you, I think you, you, I think it was maybe you, somebody wrote an article, and I think it might have been you, who, who, you know, I saw it show up in the referral logs, and the article was called, uh, The Mac Web is Starting to Suck, and I thought, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, that was mine. Yeah, I, I and I clicked through, and I'm like, all right, you know, take it like a man, you know, criticism can help you. And I look at it, and it was like, my, my blog was one of the four Mac sites that was listed as not sucking, so I was like, Phew, you know. <laughs> but yeah, you were one of my earliest supporters, he, so everyone who hates my stuff, it's Tim's fault. It's my fault. For encouraging yeah. me. <laughs> you could have stopped me back then. Dead you, know, my tracks. you know, it. It to me, it's there's a anybody can write and put up their own blog and call themselves a journalist um, or a blogger, whatever term you want to use. But that doesn't mean everybody should, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, right. So, so then, as of now, when I find stuff that I enjoy, I like to share that information with people. Say, hey, this is really good. Go check it out. John Gruber was another one that I was a very early reader of, and I remember writing an article. In fact, it might have been the same article that you were in that I pointed to Daring Fireball and said this is another one that was good Actually, that nobody was reading. 
It was, and you know that's kind of my claim to fame now because you know I mean to to Gruber's immense credit, he stuck with that same format where he, you know, writes about the topic of the day every day, and he's done that for six years. I can't do that. I'm always jumping around. I gotta change it. I gotta. You're ADD like me. Yeah, I mean, I gotta, yeah. I gotta try something new. I can't just keep doing the same thing every day. But he's stuck to that, and it, it's paid off for him. And I, I never could have done, you know, what he's doing. And he's it. really just, good at it. Yep, always makes. Don't always agree with him, but he always makes me think. You know. Which is always a good thing, absolutely. Yeah, that's more important. Really, anybody can write something you agree with. Apple, yay, raw, you know. Yeah, after a while, that gets a little tiring. I mean, as as someone who's written about Apple products for 15 years, um, it's not that I'm bored with the product. It's just that there's a lot more to talk about than just their products. Um, I, I like talking about the industry, but I like to de-emphasize Apple a lot because I think what people are doing with the products – is infinitely more interesting than the products themselves. Yeah, well, I mean, otherwise the products just exist in a in a vacuum. You know, a lot of people think just because I spend so much time writing about technology products, they think I'm some kind of technology geek, which I'm not. You know, I, I took me about five minutes in college to realize I hated programming, I hated circuits, you know, I hated all that stuff. I don't like taking devices apart, even when I used to do mac tech support you know years back i mean I, my least favorite thing was to start taking the thing apart to replace a, a component you know I, I was much more interested in in getting the users to like do something with it you know mm-hmm. and get more masterful with it um so yeah i mean i I've, n- I've never been a fan of gadgets for gadgets sake and that's what attracts me to apple i mean to my mind all all so-called consumer technology is way too geeky and theoretical and complicated for what it should be but on its best days, Apple's devices are actually usable by the mainstream. Not every day. I mean, I got plenty of criticism <laughs> about them for being too geeky, too. But but I agree. They're, they are definitely more consumer-focused. They try to take the complexity away and let us get on with our business. And to me, that's important. Well, the fun thing, I mean, maybe fun is kind of like a sadistic way of looking at it, but it's interesting this year to see so many hardcore geeks having, like, meltdowns over the iPad and... They just keep talking about open and closed, and I'm like, you know, what what these geeks think of as, of, of as closed, we think of as refined, and what they think of as open, we think of as being total anarchy. I agree. Yeah, I got a little sick of the whole, oh, the, the ecosystem of the iPod slash iPhone is closed, and Apple's the gatekeepers, and I don't see that as a bad thing. I mean, I can understand where some of their opinions come from, because, you know, I am a geek, but... I, you know, when I hand my daughter an iPod Touch to play with and, you know, load it up with $50 worth of iTunes gift cards so she can get in there and buy her own apps, I do want some kind of, you know, assurances that she's not going to be able to download anything that's really not appropriate. And well, that, you know, it, it's hard to use the word closed to describe a, 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 a device that has a quarter million third-party apps available for yeah. it. And plus it can access the web. I mean... Anything that can access the web isn't a closed system. Yeah, so. I mean, if, if if you tried to go to, you know, some adult site um, on your phone and it came up and said, no, Steve doesn't want you looking at these pictures, then that would be a whole different thing, obviously. Exactly, but, but that's not happening. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, apps are, apps get into the root level of the device. A bad app can fry your device. It's your phone. I don't want my phone fried. An iPod Touch might be a different story, but... I can't have my phone fried by a bad solitaire game because the guy didn't know how to code it. Or he's releasing malicious stuff with, you know, viruses or spyware or anything like that that we don't want on there. 
Yo, uh, what's a virus? I don't know what that is. Yeah, we're Apple users. We're not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so today is actually kind of a big day for a lot of uh, people. It's the day that Apple releases the new iPhone 4, and you're in the same boat as I am. I'm not, bi- I'm not buying one right now. I'm going to get one, you know. I just, I mean, I said well, I'm I, in the same boat. I'm, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get one. But I, enough of the hype machine. It, it's just, it, it looks like a nice phone. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to use the face-to-face chat because it only works over Wi-Fi with another iPhone 4 user. So unless I actually want to chat with you face-to-face, Bill, I'm probably not going to use that feature very often. I understand the screen is brighter and looks great, but. Come on, Bill. It's it's just an iPhone, and we've had every version of the iPhone to, to date. Well, you know, I I didn't buy the 3GS. I mean, that, that was kind of my my little break, and I just kind of wrote something today, like a little just a little throwaway blog piece. But it was like, hey, you know what? I've been using a discontinued, um, you know, phone for the past eleven months now. I mean, I've had it for twenty one months, but you know, and I, I would have bought a 3GS. It's just it was an AT and T screw up, and by the time I got it cleared up, I didn't want to buy that and then screw up my ability to get the iPhone 4 at the right price and, get, you know, just kind of get stuck on that wagon. So I skipped the 3GS and I didn't miss it, you know? Well, I, I got I to gotta step back and say I haven't had every one myself. I went from the original iPhone to the iPhone 3GS. So I skipped ah. the 3G. But they weren't offering uh, discounts at the time to renew your contract early when the 3G came out. And... I wasn't willing to pay full price for it, so I said, ah, I'll just wait for the next one, and I'm glad I did. But now that the iPhone 4 is here, honestly, if it wasn't for my wife wanting my 3GS, <laughs> because <laughs> she has my original iPhone right now, and she's ready for an upgrade. It looks great, and it works perfect. Don't get me wrong. You know, I mean, the the, the dirty little secret, though, is is that, and if, if you look around, you can see that a lot of people are doing this, because of the fact that you know, if 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 somebody bought an iPhone on a Tuesday and dropped it in a toilet on a Wednesday, and they go back to buy another one, they're going to be paying six hundred dollars. Literally, yep. um, those people are, are in desperate situations, and they've got the contract; they have to get another phone. So rather than paying six hundred dollars for a new one, they're going to go on eBay and buy some old phone. And you know, it, it, as a result, you can take your used iPhone, even my old beat up twenty one month old three G. I can get as much or more money for that as the cost of a new iPhone four. Well, with contract. Yeah, but I mean, uh, you know, you use a cell phone in this country, you're going to be under contract. I mean, it's not like, you know, I, I guess if I had my sights on setting, you know, but you know, like, you know, people talk about, oh, Verizon iPhone, it's going to happen someday. And yeah, it will happen someday. It might be tomorrow, it might be five years from now. But, you know, I, I've been a Verizon customer for, for nine months for a little USB modem, and they are every bit as much of a screwed up company as AT&T. And I say that with with all love for both of them because they're the, they're probably the two worst companies I've ever dealt with in in my life but they're both they're both they're, uh, from the billing issues to the you know I, I could I could do a whole show on on Tweedledum and Tweedledumer there so <laughs> yeah it's the it's the lesser of two evils in a lot of people's mind yep yeah i went from altel which to be honest i never had an issue with but i only had just little cheap flip phones my flip phones my whole life uh to AT&T to get the iPhone, and for the first year, I tell you, I was missing Altel because there was just a personalized service there that I was used to that I didn't get through AT&T. And looking back, you know, they're all the same at this point, aren't they? Yeah, and that's why, you know, I don't, yeah, when I buy this phone, my, I guess at this point I'm I'm three months away from theoretically being contract-free on AT&T, but guess what, you still got to pay the bill. 
Yep. It's like it's like the iPod Touch users who who you know they say, "Oh, look, I have an iPod Touch. I'm saving a hundred bucks a month." And I said, "Well, how much does that uh, flip phone in your other pocket cost you?" Well, that's seventy. Yeah, exactly. And you hear that all the time. You know, it's it's so it's so often repeated that iPod Touch users actually believe that, and they think that a hundred minus seventy is zero. Yeah, <laughs> you know? they think they're saving a, a ton of money. I I also know a lot of uh, iPod Touch users who brag that oh, I never ever pay for my apps for it. Um, okay, so all these free apps you're getting, the people that are making those, they're you're you're not expecting to compensate them ever. They're what just they doing, doing this out of their kindness of their heart. Them? No, they they get the light versions, and oh. that's it. They'll they'll never pay for anything. And it's almost a badge well, of honor that they're wearing that I'm not paying for any apps. Well, you know, people who are, are – and not to characterize all iPod touches as being cheap, nor to characterize all thrifty people as being what I'm about to say about them. But a lot of cheap people don't actually save any money because they're so – I don't know what the term – you know, penny-wise, pound-foolish or whatever. Right. They're so focused on saving a penny they spend a dollar to save it. My favorite, though, is the iPod Touch users who claim they find Wi-Fi everywhere. Yeah, good luck. There. Sorry, I've been all over this country. I've lived in Hollywood. I've lived in Manhattan. I've lived in um, this town that I'm in now. Had a had a municipal Wi-Fi network ripped it out after three years because it never worked right. Um, you know, Wi-Fi doesn't exist outside your home in Starbucks. That's and right. Occasional hotel and it's total garbage there. Um, Although I got to say the the Wi-Fi in the uh, Holiday Inn Express in Woodstock, Illinois, hometown of OWC. Man, they've got some really good Wi-Fi there, Bill. Well, you know, I was streaming I Netflix a couple weeks ago sitting in my hotel room. I, I watched like three movies, and it never hiccuped once. It was great sitting there you know, with my iPad. It's funny you say that because, you know, when I took that road trip last year, I stayed in a lot of cheap hotels across the country. And I, I found it not, not to, you know, not to put Holiday Inn down, but I did find that the worse the hotel, the better the Wi-Fi. Yeah, what is Maybe that about? Just, you're the only person in there using it. Hmm. That's what I think. I'm guessing everybody that, else just get the gets the room for an hour or so. Well, and that, you know, the, the, <laughs> nice, the nicest hotels that you and I stay at are usually at conferences, yes. right? You know, in Marriott because you get the discount rate or whatever at MacWorld. But at conferences are the worst are the worst internet because everybody in the hotel is there with their laptop for MacWorld or something. Um, you know, I. Well, then again, on that road trip, most of the time I was the only person staying in those hotels that night. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> look, Paul, customer. <laughs> You had a lot of eight dollar steak dinners out there across the southern U.S. Yeah, eight dollar uh, sweets at the Days Inn. You know, I've been there. So Ozzy Osbourne, Devo, Billy Corrigan, Seven Dust, Cypress Hill, Adam Lambert, Chris Jericho, Alan Jackson—all these people have one thing in common. Well, a couple things actually, but one thing for us is they've been interviewed or featured in Beat Week. How are you getting never, all these great interviews? You know, you know. Here, here's the scary thing: is 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 that a lot of these people, and this, it just kind of takes a few years of doing this, and then you wonder how they perceive you because you think you're just doing the same thing you were doing a few years ago, which basically I am. I mean, I like to think I'm a little better at it, but I'm still doing what I was doing before. After a while, they start coming to you, and yeah. it's like, holy crap! Did I just get offered that? You know. Um, so, so that's that's the weird thing, you know. When they really they they start coming to you, and 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 the Aussie thing, you know, in particular, they, you know, they of course it took me about two seconds to say absolutely, you know. But just you know, you wake up one day and there's an email that says, "Would you, you know, would you like to interview Ozzy Osbourne?" You're like, when did my life turn into this? You know? Yeah, that's kind of strange. When did I become uh, a writer for Rolling Stones back in the seventies? <laughs> exactly, and and you start thinking, do they know it, it, um, it's just me? Do they know it's just me? <laughs> you know? 
<laughs> no, I, I've been readers, there too. You know that, right? Yeah. Now, what's your approach to doing interviews? Because I know you conduct these interviews over the phone, uh, and then you transcribe them afterwards for the magazine. But what's your approach when you're sitting down with somebody that has been everywhere, like an Ozzy Osbourne or a Billy Corgan or an Alan Jackson, that they've been interviewed literally thousands of times for radio, television, magazines. They've heard and seen it all. So how do you approach an interview to try to not necessarily stand out to them, but to make it as entertaining as possible for your readers, which obviously by by reading these interviews, that's who your core focus is, is your readers. You know, as funny as it sounds to say, especially these veteran guys, if you just let them talk about their current project, because uh, everybody wants to ask Ozzy about the bad. Everyone wants to ask Ozzy about quitting Black Sabbath or what happened at the Alamo that night, 1990-something. But, um, you know, really, all Ozzy wants to talk about is his new record. That's why he's doing the interview, right? I mean... Is that him making all the noise in the background? Yeah, yeah. Boy, yeah. Uh, <laughs> hang on just a sec. So as uh, Bill goes out to quiet the bat, hopefully he's not using the Ozzy Osbourne method. <laughs> Actually, UPS <laughs> is here. That's, it. That's why the dogs are going nuts. But... um from 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 what remaining product reviews I haven't yet been able to pawn off on my staff, right? So you try to basically get them talking and just let them go. Let them talk, and and you know a lot of these guys, like you said, the ones that have been doing it longer than you, um, you know, Carlos Santana is going to give you more interesting stuff than you were, would think to ask him about anyway. Yeah. So all you really do is bite a hole in your lip and not interrupt him. Is that easy to do, or is it something that you have to learn to do? You really, you really, I mean, the mute button comes in handy because yeah. um, there's, and, and, and the thing is, you know, you, you want to, you want to impress them instinctively. It's maybe the one time you're going to talk to this person, you appreciate their work. You know, you've spent a lot of time with their music. You want them to know that you're a fan. You want them to think that you're a clever person or, you, or whatever it is, you know, it's a, and, and, and yet, you know, sometimes you just got to ask the dumb question because you know, it's gonna, just going to get them talking. See, you get to that point where it's like, well, the clever question is the one that gets the clever answer, I guess. Is it also hard for you to kind of step back as a fan and, and to be a journalist? Because a lot of the people that I just spoke about, I'm huge fans of. I love their music. Um, by the same token, I'm not really the fanboyish type of person that would fawn over a celebrity or even ask for their autograph. When I see someone like that, that my first thought is, oh, I'd like to do an interview with that person. Um, in fact, you and I did a, a joint interview with Sinbad a couple Mac worlds ago. Um, and so that's always kind of where I go with it. I try not to be a fanboy, but when you're talking to Santana, well, how do you not fanboy out on Santana? Well, I usually, I actually get nervous afterwards if, if I'm going to get nervous because beforehand you're so worried about, um, and that one, that actually, that one was in person. So that was a little, uh, Oh my God. Yeah, I, I really couldn't feel my legs for most of that one. And it's when I had gotten to a point where I thought I couldn't get nervous doing these anymore, and then I kind of learned something that day. But No, there's a few people that I think I would definitely be nervous about interviewing, and that would – Carlos Santana would definitely be <laughs> kind of nerve-wracking. I grew up with his music. I mean, wow. Well, you know, I mean, the thing is, beforehand, you're so worried about, you know, getting your questions right. Cause, Not looking like a jackass. Yeah, and they give you 20 minutes, and you don't have time to start stuttering and, and coming up with stupid questions off the top of your head. If you've, you, know, you, you need to have a good, set of, a good set of questions, which you can obviously deviate from, but you've got to have your research down. You've got to have your notes there. 
And then if it's over the phone, you're mostly worried about, are they going to call on time? Have I got my, my recording software set up right? Am I going to forget to click record? And, you know, is my internet going to go down? By the time you're finished worrying about those things, it's just a relief that you're on the phone with them. So you do the interview, and it's like a roller coaster where, you know, it, it, it feels like a million years, but then it also, you know, when it's done, it feels like it was 10 seconds. And then afterwards, I hang up the phone. And then, you know, like in the case of Carlos Santana, I left his hotel room, went out, went out behind this hotel and threw up and then went across the street and got dinner. <laughs> <laughs> only, only, only barf-inducing moment I've had yet. But, but yeah, and then afterwards, it's like, holy, did that really, you know, and, and, and still to this day, it, it's hard to, when it's someone as big as Carlos, it's hard to, um, it's hard to reconcile the fact that that was actually, because you think of Carlos Santana as being more of a persona or a, or, a, or an idea. Right. Um. The funny thing for me, though, is when I talk, like, like, let's take Katy Perry, who at the time I talked with her, she was... Not a very big, yeah, she, no one knew who she was yet. Her album one now yet. Right. That was just a coincidental thing that her label, I had done, uh, you know, Katie Tunstall, one of my favorite singers, I had done something with her, and, and she had the same publicist, and publicist says, here, check out my new client that I just got assigned, you know, I'll send you the advance, and, you know, I listened to Katy Perry's record, and she was nobody, but I'm like... Yeah, this is good. Not the kind of pop I usually listen to, but that's you know when it's when it's the kind of stuff I don't usually listen to and it stands out to me, then I know I really want to do it because it's it's like when I occasionally hear a country album or a, or a dance music album, you know that that I really like because it doesn't happen often. And that was the case with Katie, with just kind of the the, the kind of pop music she makes. I'm like, yeah, I definitely want to do this. Do you want to Go ahead. When I interviewed her, she was she was absolutely nobody. She was as famous as you and me, you know, probably less famous than you because you're, you know, you're Tim Robertson. Oh, please. Um, <laughs> to this day, when I see her on TV or something, in my mind, she's still that person. Yeah, yeah. She she's like, oh look, that that girl I sat down with three years ago or two and a half years ago got famous. Good for her. As opposed to I met Carlos, who's already world famous. So you know, do you I mean, do you approach those interviews differently though, or do you try to use the same tactics? For an early Katy Perry interview, who was nobody at the time, or Ozzy Osbourne, where even people that are living in remote, the remotest part of Africa knows who Ozzy Osbourne is. Actually, it's it's tougher to interview someone when 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 they're nobody because you don't know anything about them. Really? I mean, well, like with Katy, all I had to work with at that point was the music, uh, well, the music, and what I call the first party information. I had the info from her label. You Google her, and you're not going to find much. It's not like, and I, I don't, I don't like to go read previous interviews because then I don't want to consciously or subconsciously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but e even in that case, what I'll do usually is I'll go watch somebody interviewed on YouTube. Um, and usually, I'll mute it because I don't want to hear this stuff. I just want to kind of see the, their facial expressions and stuff, and listen to bits and pieces of it. When you're interviewing a newcomer, you don't have that, you know. So a, a lot of it is is just almost like. Um, I don't want to say fishing, but it is in a way because you're you're kind of asking very generic questions and hoping they say something that you can follow up on. It's it's a bigger challenge in, in terms I, of getting an interesting interview. All, all, with Ozzy, all you got to do is let him talk. Oh sure, absolutely. You know? um, yeah, I've done quite a few interviews myself, not usually in the same category that we're talking about right now, but I prefer almost to interview the the lesser known people because I've always found that they're more interesting because they haven't heard every question. They haven't had to answer every question. And I think most people like talking about themselves. Um, that's why interviewing to me is a lot of fun because generally people will sit there and talk about themselves until you stop them. Um, there are a few exceptions. I've done some interviews where they were just absolutely painful and they would give, you know, yes, no, 
I don't know. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, dude, work with me here. Um, but for the most part, people like talking about themselves. Uh, that's human nature. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But if they're a lesser known person, I think there's more to hear, more to learn. Because if you're interviewing them, they, they, they're obviously deserving it on some level. But if they're lesser known, they haven't had a lot of people ask them questions yet. So I think they're going to be more um, – I don't want to, not necessarily honest, but just more forthcoming. Well, it's more, it's more, I, 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 I agree. You know, if they, if they haven't, if they're hearing a question for the first time, they haven't yet had a chance to uh, think of a good answer. Yeah, they or, haven't spun think, it yet. Think of the, the, yeah, the, I went through this back, you know, when I was back in my businessman days, I, I was getting interviewed left and right by, you know, newspapers. I never understood why, but the iPod was a hot product and they, they found me and they, you know, the Steve Jobs wouldn't talk to him, so they talked to somebody like me and, the more I would get asked the same questions over and over again, the more PR-sounding answers I would come up with. You know, mm-hmm. um, whereas some of the early interviews, I was way too honest and <laughs> didn't make me sound very good, but it probably made for a more interesting uh, conversation. So, yeah, well, I try to mix it up. You know, I mean, we, we've we've had it's funny because our last two covers of it, Devo's in their sixties and Ozzy's is in the sixties. Our, our next cover is is an eighteen-year-old. Um, That's cool. Yeah, so we, you know, and we don't we we didn't say let's go get an eighteen-year-old just have an eighteen-year-old, but. You know, we do kind of try to alternate between old and young or, you know, somebody who's famous now versus someone we think will be famous a year from now. Now, do you do that for your own interest or because you think it, it helps the readers? It helps more readers come into the fold? Well, for me, I mean, I really, I mean, I, there there have been some people I've interviewed and then kind of afterwards maybe thought, you know, changed my mind or whatever. But I, I've never once requested an interview where where it wasn't somebody I wanted to talk to. They don't have to be my favorite artist, but... You know, it, 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 if the music's, if I don't think the music is any good or I don't like it, I, I, I just, I, I think I'm going to do a really lousy job. I don't want to do a patronizing interview. Tell me about this album that I secretly hate, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, and to balance that out, that's why I've got some other interviewers on staff, but I tell them the same thing. They'll come to me and say, hey, can I interview such and such? Well, you want to? Yeah, okay, do it. You know, I don't, I don't need to hear the reason why. The fact that you want to do it is the reason. Well, so, it's, you know, so it's not just my personal taste, right. but I, I give them the same... The same guidelines, you know. Pick, pick someone that you, you that you can get. As I say, can you get behind this artist? To, who cares? You know, you, you know. And then and there's the secondary thing of, okay, if we're going to put him on the cover, it's someone who's either famous or someone we can, you know, think can be famous. But if if, if we didn't think they're any good, then we, I, I've passed on artists, and I'm, I will never name them. But I passed on artists that I knew were going to become famous or, or popular, but I I thought they sucked. And and usually when those they do become famous, it's for a brief time because. You know, for the same reason. Talent I, usually wins out in the end. Yeah, yep. and lack of originality. You know, everything's derivative, but some of it's just imitative. And you know, I've had people ask me, um, <laughs> "Would I go to such and such publication? Uh, would I quit quit what I was doing to go there?" Um, in your case, I, I would think that you're more like a Rolling Stone than anything nowadays. Uh, but the Rolling Stone that we remember from the '70s and '80s, when in part of the '90s, when it was a great magazine. Um, I don't think they are anymore. Uh, it, it it reads very much like a, a big PR factory to me now. That the only stuff that they're really covering is the stuff that they're getting from the PR people, and they're not actually going out there and doing anything. With the possible possible exception of this general that just got fired because of a stupid interview he did there. Um, would you be interested in writing for a Rolling Stone or a Spin magazine, or are you happy uh, at Beat Week doing your own thing? following your own, I don't want to say morals, but, you know, it's your band. You're leading it. 
Well, um, right now, I wouldn't trade this for anything in the world, you know, um, just because it, it, it's it's just too it's just too perfect for what I want to do. I could see maybe doing that sometime down the road. It, it, I guess it's kind of easy knowing that there, none of those publications are hiring at this point anyway. They're too busy getting rid of everybody. Yeah, you know? trying not to go out of business themselves. Right. So it's it's. I know it's not a decision I have to make anytime. I mean, it, journalism will bounce back somehow, whether it's digital or, or the return of print or however that it'll settle somehow, and money will come back into magazines at some point. Um, whether be it be those ones you named or, or yeah. few. Yeah. I mean, it, it'll 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 even out, and you know, journalists will be able to feed their families again at some point down the road. Um, you know, maybe someday if I have a you know if I have a you know family and kids of my own or something, I don't know if I would be wanting to do something. Because I, I get out of bed and I, I can't wait, you know, to to do this. And people say, "Why do you work so much?" Well, none of it feels like work. What am I going to do? Yeah, There's boy. I could, you know, oh I'm, man, I gotta I gotta get up today and interview Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, this. What sucks. am I going to take the day off? What, <laughs> what the crap on TV is going to be more interesting than what I do for a living? Yeah. You know. What, what, what am I going to go do? You know, and I am actually going to take a little vacation on the fourth, where I'm going to go do nothing for a few days. But that's nothing is all I can do that that, that would that would be different because there's 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 nothing. You know, I live I, where I am here in Florida. I'm down the street from Disney World. Disney World is not as interesting as what I'm doing right now. You know, so um, yeah. But but maybe down the road, I always like like I was saying before. I I always you know I always at some point I get bored of what I'm doing. And I, I can either go 100 miles an hour on or zero. Like I kind of got bored doing uh, iPhone case reviews, so I'm very glad to have put that in the hands of another one of my staff writers, starting with iPhone 4. Have you thought about getting into video at all, as in um, more video type of reviews on the site? Not if I'm the one doing it. No? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a writer, not a speaker. You know, and, and a big part of video is, is the speaking. I you mean, know, I you a- say that, but you, I've heard you. I mean, you had your own podcast for a while. I was on it. Yeah, but you know, um, I, I I do all right when I got someone. You know, I went through a number of co-hosts, and you know, I mean, you know this yourself. It's hard to keep a co-host around because just things change on their end. It's and, also you know. very difficult to do a show by yourself. I mean, I did uh, my last show for five years with various co-hosts, but I do OWC Radio for the most part. I've done a lot of interviews and stuff, but it's just me sitting here talking at a microphone. So I understand the. I don't want to say fear, but the anxiety that that brings. I don't necessarily think you need a co-host, Bill. I think that you've always been good enough to do it on your own. I just don't know if you've – is it is it a fear on your part of doing it yourself that you just would suck at it? Or is it I just don't want to do something like that by myself because I think I would be better in conversation? I just don't think I would enjoy it on no. my own. I, mean, I You know, it, it's funny because if you ever if you ever catch me – Working, I, I so often talk to myself while I'm writing. You know, I'm kind of writing out loud. Well, those um, of us who've seen you at Macworld Expo walking by yourself, we know that. Oh yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> well, you're right. I don't, I don't need it. I don't need an excuse. I talk to myself all the time. But you know. uh, yeah, um, I, I just, I just so much prefer to rather rather be writing than than to do that. Um, it just doesn't. I mean, I love conversations like this. But if if I'm gonna do a serious thing, like if I'm gonna do a serious evaluation of what I think of the new iPhone or something. I'd so much rather have my hands on the keyboard than talking into a camera. Oh, I'm I'm with you 100%. Do you like writing about the technology more or writing about the music more nowadays? I mean, it's really two different things. Well, it's a it's a different kind of writing. If 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 you if you look at what I do, I don't ever actually write about music. I don't do album reviews. I don't write about the state of the industry. I don't know how to review an album. Maybe someday I'll try to tackle that challenge, but 
I mean, music is just, it's not something that I can evaluate, you know, quantitatively at all. So almost all of my quote-unquote writing for music is where I interview someone and then I write it up and 70% of the pieces quotes from them and I'm just kind of, you know, filling in, in the gaps there. Um, as opposed to the technology side where I don't like writing reviews, I'd rather pontificate on the industry because it, to me it's just very easy to evaluate what's going on with the, with the state of the industry and technology. Um, so it's 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 almost like um, you know with the tech I'm I'm writing to write and the music I'm I'm writing as an excuse to uh, talk to musicians I want to talk to. That's fair, absolutely. You know I was just thinking this is the first time you've been on OWC Radio, but that's actually not true. We recorded uh, the the OWC Radio that we recorded on the main stage at the Macworld Expo, and you were on that episode too. So this is actually your second time being on OWC Radio. Gosh, that went out on a podcast? Yeah, it did, number 14. (laughs) (laughs) I hope no one listened to it. That was horrible. (laughs) We were recording? Yeah, oh my God. Not the whole thing, I hope. (laughs) That was an odd experience for me because um, this show and my last show, I've always done, you know, sitting in front of a microphone in a relatively quiet spot, sometimes with a co-host sitting right next to me, sometimes over Skype. Um, Although I did do a couple at an Apple store. Uh, but still, it wasn't in front of a huge audience. So to do something on the main stage was very, very weird for me. So I wanted to thank you again for coming up there with me. I think you were like uh, one of the first people other than um, OWC's Grant Dalkey, who I actually brought up on the stage because you were there. <laughs> I, I made the mistake of sitting in the front row. I you did. Just, and this was everyone else was in the back. This was right around the time that you were switching from iProng to Beat Week. What a stupid mistake that was. <laughs> I'm referring to sticking with the name Iprong for that many years. You were you were very uh, loyal to that name for a long time. It always well, sounded know, like a Japanese card game or something to me. <laughs> Iprong. You know, I, I, I will say this because I, I talk a lot about not wanting to sell out, not wanting to interview artists that I don't want to interview or whatever. But, you know, the, the name thing was, was a compromise for me because, you know, I've been doing this for, for years and years. And at some point you say, you know what? Yeah, it, it's a condemnation of the human race that people couldn't get past that name. I will forever judge the human race less because they all heard that and thought inappropriate jokes and and thought that I would be dumb enough to name my you know to have done that on purpose. Yeah, so, IP wrong. Yeah, or yeah. or much worse things that we probably can't talk about on a family friendly <laughs> show. But um, that having been said, you get to a point where it's like you know what? If something as stupid as that is keeping a large segment of people from finding your work. I'd rather be read than not read, you know? Yep, absolutely. Now, so, do you have a plan on bringing uh, Beat Week into iBooks? Well, of course, now that, that Apple has opened it up to read PDFs, they can actually read Beat Week on their iPad or iPhone through the iBook app. Uh, you know, is that exciting to you? It is, and yet it's it's been kind of frustrating. I mean, we've, we've had a couple of nights where we're... Going through this because for for some reason if you if you load up a PDF on an iPhone that has iOS four and iBooks installed, um, and the the PDF is more than ten megabytes, it'll usually crash. At mm. least on the few of us who are testing it here, um, and our PDFs are usually like twelve to fifteen megabytes. So we're thinking, you know, are we going to do a separate mobile version? Do we just wait for Apple to fix what's obviously a bug? Because it's so cool, you load up the PDF and then you click the iBooks button, and it remembers where you, where you were the last time you you read it. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's a great thing, but it's you know, and and, and you kind of don't think about this until until you actually install it. You know, the the OS three was on its whatever 
3.1.3, they'd released five, six different updates, and it was real solid and refined. And then, then you go to 4.0.0, and you're right back in almost beta test territory. Yeah, but I'm, that's kind of expected. I don't think they're going to work yeah. out that bug until they roll out iOS 4. iOS 4. That's going to take me a while to get used to saying on the iPad because as much as I like BeatWeek, I'm not reading it on my iPhone. It's just too small. I'm 40 yeah, years old. I'm not reading on my iPhone anymore. Um, but the iPad bill is an ideal delivery and uh, hardware platform to read your content. Oh, absolutely, and I mean we're we're you know we're still that's that's the payoff for us is when when the new iBooks is on the iPad presumably same time as iOS four, and and yeah and you know and and we're still you know looking at do do we go the iBooks route do we make our own app because a lot of a lot of Print magazines just spent a lot of money developing their own apps, and some of them have really not worked. You know. Well, but then you look at Adobe, and they're coming out with basically a plugin for InDesign that you can export uh, with rich media content to play on the iPad. I mean, that's basically what Rolling Stones did. They're they're using that solution from Adobe, which they're going to make available to everybody. Yeah, except I don't use InDesign to make the magazine. I use Pages. Right now, but I mean, yeah. if there was an option to do that and to actually make money, I, I would su- strongly suggest not charge four or five ninety nine per magazine issue. I think that's way too much. But if you were charging ninety nine cent for a more enhanced version, and you know, hundred thousand of them are, are bought every week, I, I got to imagine you'd be willing to make the change. Uh, in terms of creating the magazine, <laughs> top to bottom, no, a hundred thousand. Well, uh, hundred fifty thousand. hundred. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, seventy thousand a week. I just can't. I can't do it for that, Tim. That much yeah, money. It, uh-uh. it just. It just depends, because you know. And, and again, this. This. I say these things, and it makes me sound like an Apple Homer, but you know, Pages is ridiculously easy to make the magazine in and make it look halfway decent, despite the fact that I have kindergarten level design skills. That's no exaggeration. I'm terrible at it. You know, I, I, I can't yet afford to hire someone to sit there and do page layout. You know, and design hours. isn't bad, though. I mean, I used an older version, and I put together because um, I a very brief aborted uh, effort in ebook publishing called Scroll Down Books. We published two books, um, but our opening day was completely ruined from unforeseen circumstances, and it, it killed it just killed it for us. Um, and it was not very difficult to use, to be honest. And I think it would be even easier now just spend, I don't know, a day looking at free tutorials on YouTube on InDesign, and you'd probably have it down put. Well, I mean, it's it's we'll have to see. I mean, I hate to – it sounds like I'm hiding a – You can't uh, never say never, of course. Secret strategy. Well, I'll put it this way. When, when um, you know, when, when, I, when the whole iBooks thing first launched um, – you know, everybody said, "Oh, well, you're going to have to do an EPUB." You know, and so we looked at uh, trying to convert the PDF to EPUB. That doesn't work. So we we were looking at EPUB software. You know, well, maybe we'll have to create the magazine in EPUB software from start to finish. Well, now it turns out EPUB has nothing to do with it. You know, because <laughs> PDF is on iBooks after all. So it, we're we're in such the uh, the the infant level stages of this stuff that it would it would be. And that's part of why I haven't done an app yet. Is you know, it's it's just a little too early to try to predict. I wish I were smarter about this stuff, but you can't you can't predict what even what's going to happen tomorrow with this stuff because. Do you think this technology still- is is leveling the playing field between you and People Magazine and Rolling Stone and us and Time and Do you think this is leveling the playing field? 
Um, yes and no. Yes, in that I can get almost the same interviews they can. Um, no, in the sense that there's still something about standing there in a the grocery store checkout aisle and being able to see who's on the cover of those three or four top magazines. Having a print version doesn't do anything for you because you go into you, know, you go into some bookstore, you see there's like 800 print magazines. I, I would say the name of a bookstore, but I can't think of one that's still in business. But um, you know, having, a print version, yeah, having a print version home delivery doesn't do anything for you, but that small handful, and you name most of them, that are on that magazine checkout rack, th- those guys still have something golden if they can continue to be financially viable, and I think a few of them still will, um, at least for as long as their audience you know, kind of um, stays alive. You know, <laughs> from and it's becoming increasingly a problem. I mean, I go down the magazine aisle occasionally, and um, I can't tell you the last time I actually, I take that back. I did. I bought an issue of Rolling Stone. Um, they're a lot smaller than they used to be. I don't mean thickness. I mean the dimensions of the magazine is a. It's a normal magazine size now. I was a little depressed about that, but well, I remember when they changed that. I'm guessing they did that. You know, you do that, and you don't think about these things until you start doing pages. Like you do that, and it makes it more pages. You know? Yeah, it so does. It's one way to kind of, and I just did that with um, with, with our magazine. I actually removed a couple of uh, things in the margins that had basically you now there's a, a little bit more words per page. Like, oh look at that! Each issue is about going to be five pages shorter now. But uh, you know what? Oh well. But it's funny how those things affect you. I, I'll tell you something where they are handicapped in a way is is um, you know, I mean, money always comes into it, and for some reason, it seems like every year the wind kind of blows back and forth in terms of advertisers' fancies whether they would rather advertise in our magazine or on our website, and I just let them choose. But it seems like it's always kind of like in the NFL, everybody does a, you know, it's a year of the quarterbacks, and then it's a year of the running right. backs. It's kind of like that with the advertisers; they just keep copycatting each other and moving back and forth. And I can do that because I don't care which one they advertise. In rates are about the same anyway, because costs are about the same, but. You know, a, a print magazine has to favor the print version. They can't afford to take their Ozzy Osbourne cover story interview and put it up on the website in full because even if they sell out every banner spot on their site, it's never going to bring in more than a small fraction of the huge ad revenue that they're getting for full-page ads in the magazine, which they have to charge because it has to cover the cost of, you know... Printing and staff yeah. and, yeah, lawyers so, and all kinds yeah, of so, stuff. So in, in those times when the, when the advertising dollars shift back towards banners... It just kills them because, you know, they they can't. They, they, then the print version becomes a noose around their neck. Then the advertising dollars shift back toward you know toward those sort of full page kind of um, thing, and 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 then it's more back in their favor. But it, you know, everything's a plus and minus anymore. I mean, I'm not sure there's one clear path. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure there's a publication out there that I would trade places with in terms of long term because, who knows? Yeah, it's it's crazy. Let me ask you before we wrap up the segment, Bill. Um, you're covering the, I want to say the iUniverse, uh, you're covering music, um, you have covered, um, acting in the past, actors and, and, uh, like you had the guy from Heroes on, I remember that. Um, so you've, you've, celebrity, I want to say, you've, you've covered that. Do you ever see yourself moving into like politics? Uh, Probably not me. Post type of thing, or no? As opinionated as I am about politics, I hate it, and it 
pisses me off just to think about politics. <laughs> I know you well enough to know yeah. exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, you know, yes. if you follow me on Twitter, you 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 know. But yeah. it, it 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 I really have a thought about politics that's that's I, I don't I don't want to see two sides. I don't want to, you know what no, I mean? No, you're not open-minded when it comes to politics. You have your opinions yeah. and And even the ones even the ones that I that I support, I just I just dislike them a lot less than the others, yeah. you know what I mean? I do. So it's it's um it's not something that I enjoy and it, you know, it, all credit to Rolling Stone. They've spent decades covering politics and kind of earning the right to put these candidates on the cover and whatever you know um but that's it's it's not an easy um you know it's not an easy path to go down and i, I just I, I could care less about you know um the ramif- i mean every anyone who you know again anyone who follows me on twitter knows where i lie as far as politics whatever i'm not worried about that as far as you know no, i mean i, I don't necessarily mean you writing it but if if you had a someone approached you and said hey i want to write politics and I want to do it for your magazine, are you opposed to that? Or – and not just politics. Um, what if it was religion? What if it was – I mean NASCAR. I mean there's a lot of things that people could be writing about because oh. just the name Beat Week doesn't necessarily refer to music or technology in my mind. It could be anything. NASCAR, yeah. Bring it on. Nice car. <laughs> well, no, I mean, yeah. I mean, in politics and religion, I'd have to think long and hard about because I just, I, you know, I, you, you just kind of, you, you go into those certain sacred areas and you're kind of... Open yourself up. Yeah, and, it, and it's awfully rough if you bring on a writer who's writing something you, you know, thoroughly disagree with at that level. It's okay. If some, one of my writers writes a, a review of an iPhone case and says that it's great, and I have the same case, I think it's terrible, that's fine because they're... They're qualified to have that opinion, but you know, you bring on someone who's covering politics, who's on the opposite sides, and you, you know, are are you supporting a viewpoint that you think is dangerous to the to society? It's really tough. But something like NASCAR, television, yeah, bring that all on. You know, I, I have, I, I will never lose our core focuses. Those will evolve, but you know, I mean, what what you see is kind of what you get in terms of, you know, easy to use technology devices and um, music and entertainment and pop culture, but. I have no hesitation to go into something like NASCAR or video games or uh, you know football or whatever because because why not? What's what's the harm? Well, People I know are... you're a football fan like I am, so that I could easily see in Beat Week. <laughs> <laughs> and again, with football being such a diehard Dolphins fan, you know, if the if the Jets were having a good year, what could I write an article congratulating the Jets? Sure, would I enjoy it? No. So that's the kind of thing where I would I would do better bringing on someone who can appreciate the the whole league for what it is, as opposed to wouldn't be me. I'm I'm too big of a Lions fan, and you know how how hurtful <laughs> and uh, painful that can be. I mean, they they may have finally turned it around, though. I think so. The website is beatweek.com. That's where you can go to subscribe to Beat Week. When they subscribe to it, how do they subscribe? What's the, the mechanism that you're using to subscribe to, Bill? Well, you you go on iTunes and you subscribe, and it's actually in the podcast section because that's the only place you can offer free content in iTunes uh, and upload it yourself. But you hit subscribe, and it... it Comes into your iTunes every time we post a new issue in PDF format. It, your your iTunes little podcast catcher downloads the PDF and you click on it in iTunes and it pops up in your PDF reader and that's that. It's and you free. can also look at them. Uh, doesn't cost anything. No, we don't. We don't charge for our content in in any format, which is weird. Why are we doing that? We should be charging. But I'm telling you, that's, <laughs> I'm, that's I was always wondering about that. Where are you on Twitter so people can find you? Twitter.com slash Bill Palmer. I try to keep, you know, it's a surprise. Bill, thanks very much for being on OWC Radio this week. Hey, thanks. What, what's your name, Fred? Fred. 
Fred, Fred, Fred Toms? No, Fred. Stamp. Mr. Rogers. Fred Stamp. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate it. Bye, Bill. Yep. And once again, thanks to Bill Palmer for the interview. That was last minute, believe it or not. I had zero prepared questions. I just uh, had logged into Skype to check to see if I had any messages or anything like that. I saw Bill was online, as uh, honestly he usually is. And uh, we chatted for a second. I said, hey, you want to do an OWC radio? And I've known Bill so long um, that it was you know pretty easy for me to, to do an interview with Bill with zero preparation because – I, a lot of the people that I interview here um, I'm friendly with, but that doesn't mean that we're friends. It, if I'm at the Macworld Expo and I see them, we have a beer at a bar or something, if I actually drink and I don't. Um, but they're not really a friend friend. Bill is an actual friend. I've known him a long time. So uh, it's always fun to – I don't want to say talk differently. Obviously, the, the way you interview someone on – a podcast like this, OWC Radio, is totally different than the way you actually speak to them in person or when you're not recording yourselves. So it's kind of it's kind of cool for me to interview Bill, um, taking kind of the interviewee or I'm sorry, interviewer role, and ask him questions. Even though a lot of the questions that I'm asking, I already know the answer to because I know Bill that well. But it's fun to be able to bring his story to you guys. I think he's a very, very interesting person. I like Bill a lot. He's got a lot of integrity. Um, I know for a fact he's coming under fire for some of the things that he's done in the past. And if he thought he was right, he stuck to his guns. And I totally respect Bill. So it's to me, it's fantastic to get Bill on the show. And I'm going to have him back on again soon, um, to be honest. Um, Next time, probably talk about the industry as a whole, uh, what's going on, stuff like that, rather than an actual interview. Um, I just really like Bill. He's great. Thanks also to Dennis. At the beginning, very beginning of the show, we opened with his comments that he sent in. You can send in comments, too. It's very easy. Simply record yourself on your iPhone or iPod Touch or your computer and send it, email it to podcast at maxsales.com, and I will play it on the show just like I did Dennis. Dennis, thanks a lot. You know, I knew about the ability that the iPhone has with the updates that they've been doing to it, that it was a lot easier for sight-impaired people to use it. Um, So you opened my eyes, though. I mean, I think that was real interesting, very, very interesting. I do have some more feedback. This time... Well, I've got two actually I wanted to read. The first one is from Phil, and Phil asks, uh, he noticed since the update to iTunes 9.2, when he's playing the iPod in the horizontal time bar, uh, it's gone. And so is the 30-second rewind circle, so you can go back like 30 seconds in a podcast. And uh, he says it's not there. Um, Phil, mine is. Um it, it, it was under the iPhone 3 software, and it's still there under the iPhone 4 software. And I upgraded to iTunes 9.2. So it sounds like there's something wrong with your uh, your iPod, well, your iPhone, the iPod section of your iPhone, because that's working just fine for me. That hasn't been taken away that I've seen. Um, so you might want to check it. You might want to restore your iPhone and see if that cures your problem because – the, high, the horizontal scroll bar is still there, and so is that 30-second rewind circle. That's still there on mine. So I don't know. I, I saw your, your email, Phil, and I, I hope that a, a simple restore will fix that for you. 
Or maybe Apple did take it away and there's a problem with mine. That's why I still have it. <laughs> you never know, right? The other email that I got was really long. And I thought, let's have a little fun with a, a long email. So what I did was I copied it out of my email program and I pasted it in TextEdit. Of course, TextEdit is a free program that if you're using a Mac, and I would imagine most of you are, is free. It, it comes with your Macintosh. So I pasted it in there. And when I did, I selected all the text. I went to the edit button down to speech and I hit start speaking. Now, when I before I did that, I have a program called Audio Hijack Pro, which will allow me to record pretty much any sound any application makes on my computer. So let's say, for instance, I'm listening to streaming radio on iTunes and I want to record it. I can do that with Audio Hijack Pro. If I'm talking to someone via Skype and I want to record that conversation, I can do that with Audio Hijack Pro. So with Audio Hijack Pro running, I told it to hijack, that's the term for it, uh, text edit. I hit record. Now, it doesn't actually recording anything until the application that you tell it to record and hijack is actually making noise. Then I went to text edit, edit, start speaking, and this is what we got. From Jay Truesdale. You recently asked for comments about the new iPad versus gaming systems, so here is my two cents worth. We don't own the PS3 or Xbox, just could not justify the expense for casual use. We do have a Wii that we use occasionally. We have a couple of Nintendo DS, one for me and one for my daughter. Games for both are expensive so we try and buy the best rated ones. We probably have a dozen DS games and 10 to 15 Wii games. I guess we're pretty casual gamers. The Windows laptop my daughter uses has been giving us trouble so we decided to go look at the iPad. We liked it so we bought one, but I get to use it too. We had to wait a couple of days to get one. The Apple Store took our name and email address and then notified us when it had arrived. I put the Windows laptop away and have not heard any requests for it to reappear. I hear what all the pundits are saying about the iPad not being open yada yada, but I really don't care. I like the fact that Apple screens the apps and I like the parental controls on the iPad. I put very few restrictions on what my daughter can do. I keep the App Store password so she has to come to me to install stuff so I can see what she is up to. I also limit what movies she can view on Netflix. We've installed a couple of dozen free games and bought a few also. Going forward I can't see buying any more Wii or DS games anytime soon as the prices are much more reasonable on the iPad. If Nintendo wants to compete they should stop whining and lower the game prices. The games we can get on the iPad are good enough for us. I'm expecting a selection of iPad-specific software to explode by the end of summer. I'm holding out for the iPad-specific applications. I use the iPad for watching movies, reading books, not a lot, surfing the web and running applications. I expect that we'll purchase the Apple word processor in the near future as the price is right. Having both the Apple Bookstore and the Kindle application for the Mac is pretty cool for the consumer. I was able to price shop and ended buying from Amazon. I like being able to read my stuff anywhere on any device. The ability of the new iBook application to read .pdf files is a big plus. 
I've only tried it with one book so far. Elgato has recently updated their iPhone app to take advantage of the screen of the iPad. Now I can watch live TV on the iPad anywhere in my house along with any content I've recorded with iTV. I just bought this application yesterday so I'm still learning how to use it. My daughter and I share the iPad and it is getting really annoying when we both sync the iPad to our own accounts on the same Mac. This device can only be synced with one computer. Do you want to erase and resync your device? Yada yada. Why on earth does Apple do this? I may have to write a letter to Steve. I bought the Wired Magazine application, which is pretty cool, but I can't see paying $5 issue in the future. The iPad also makes a pretty good flashlight when walking around a dark house when people are sleeping. The iPad is a game changer for sure. Isn't that cool? Just yet another way your Macintosh can uh, communicate with you. And it makes... Honestly, I thought that was pretty cool. I'm probably going to do that uh, more often than not here on OWC Radio. Instead of sitting here reading the entire email myself and interrupting the email to inject my opinion or answer questions, stuff like that, I'm just going to let the computer talk, record it, and uh, talk about the fee- the feedback afterwards. I, I Okay, I'll, I'll grant you that it, it doesn't sound human. And uh, I know a lot of people have made a big deal of how much better – OS 10 is now under Snow Leopard when it comes to that that speech it to me it's still not there it still sounds very robotic but there are some nice touches did you notice that sometimes before a paragraph it would actually breathe it would and then it would start talking very nice touch um, pretty amazing though that how clear and concise it is and I wasn't sure how it would do with like the Nintendo Wii or Nintendo DS, but it did a really good job. So um, very, very interesting. And I, I understood every word of that. I hope you did too. So let's talk about Jay's email. Yeah, I agree with you, Jay. The iPad is definitely a game changer. When it comes to video games, it's so much easier to play a game on the iPad Touch, or I'm sorry, <laughs> see what I did there? The iPad than it is the iPhone or iPod Touch. It's, it really is the screen makes all the difference. Um, I know a lot of people just within the last week who decided to go ahead and buy an iPad, even though they had reservations. And two of those people actually came to me first and said, you know, Tim, I'm, I'm having these reservations. I can't figure out why I'm going to need this over my iPhone or my iPod Touch. Or, you know, I've got a MacBook Air that works great. What do I really need? this for? Where where does it fit? And I tell them, you know, I can't speak to how it's going to fit into your life because I think it's different for everybody. But as an owner of an iPod, or see, I keep doing that, an iPad, it really is a game changer. And Jay gets that now too. And until you actually have it and start using it, it's really hard to describe to you why it is. Jay has a great point. It's so much more affordable to buy games on the iPad or even the iPod Touch, for that matter, than it is for a Wii or a DS. Because with those, you literally have to – there is some downloadable content, I know. But for the most part, you have to go to a store, a Best Buy or a Target or a Walmart or online and Amazon or wherever, and uh, 
put your credit card down or cash or what have you, and then take this physical game back to your home and plug this cartridge or disc into the game system and then play it. And heaven forbid, it's a terrible game. Um, not all game reviews are good game reviews. Uh, you may disagree that this is an A-plus title when you get home and play it. And when you're spending, you know, 20 to $60 for a game, boy, you know, that's a lot of money to spend for something that you're not going to play very often you think is terrible. Whereas $0.99, cents, even up to $9.99 for an iPhone or iPad game, it's a lot easier to swallow. So totally agree with you, Jay. It's a game changer, but we're only at the very – beginning of what's really going to happen going forward we it's it's very early days when it comes to this and i think over the next five years is going to be a very very exciting time to be an owner and a follower of these devices and this technology i can't wait speaking of new technology owbc other world computing released a brand new product that i was fortunate enough to get to play with a little bit when i was at the OWC headquarters in Woodstock, Illinois, a couple weeks ago. And it's a product that I think is a fantastic idea. It's called the OWC Data Doubler. Now, what this is, it's a SATA hard drive converter bracket. I know it doesn't sound very exciting yet, does it? But wait, if you have a MacBook, specifically a 17-inch early 2009, mid-2009, and early 2010 model, a 15-inch MacBook, late 2008, mid-2009, and early 2010. A MacBook Pro, 13-inch, mid-2009, and early 2010. A MacBook 13-inch, late 2008 model. And a MacBook 13, late 2009 model. I know that's a lot to take in, but I'm going to have a link to directly to this product at OWCRadio.com. So... If you can't remember if I mentioned your machine, just follow the link and go there, and you'll see your compatibility list right there. What this does is it's pretty a simple concept, but it's very powerful when you start thinking about it. How often do you use the optical drive in your MacBook Pro or MacBook? I hardly ever use it. And to be honest, it takes a lot of space inside my computer. Space that I would rather use to, oh, I don't know, put a second hard drive in. That's right, a second hard drive inside a laptop computer. Now, you could use either the super fast SSD drives or standard, as long as it's a two and a half inch drive. Of course, it does have to be a SATA hard drive. But with this converter, you take out your optical drive, plug in your hard drive to the OWC data doubler, install the data doubler where your optical drive was, close up your Mac, and you can use that external, I'm sorry, that new internal hard drive, a second internal hard drive in your MacBook Pro as, oh, I don't know, you can use it to boot Windows. So you can have a dual boot machine that way. You can use it as a time machine backup. You can also use it as your boot drive. Say you get one of the SSDs, put your OS on that. Your machine will just fly booting up, and you can still use your current internal storage for everything else. Or if you just simply wanted more storage space, you can get a huge, larger 2.5-inch drive, put it in there, just doubled your storage space. 
I think this is a fantastic idea. It's only seventy nine ninety nine. I think it's fantastic. I think that if you're if you're a serious road warrior, you're taking that laptop with you all the time. Isn't it such a pain in the butt to have to take an external hard drive with you? I think it is. I think this is a, a, a product whose time has come. I think you guys will love it. I really do invite you to go up to maxsales.com and take a look at the OWC Data Doubler. It makes your laptop so much better. I mean, one of the reasons I hear a lot of people say they're going to get a, a Mac Pro rather than like an iMac is because they want another internal drive. But that's never really been an option for Mac computers up to this point. With the OWC Data Doubler, it is an option. You can have a second internal hard drive. That, I, that's amazing. And when you see the product, you think, what a, uh, what a great idea. Why hasn't this happened before? Now, I know some of you are saying, well, yeah, but Tim, what happens if I need to boot up from a DVD? You know, I get the next version of the Mac OS and well, I don't have a, an optical drive anymore. Well, you can always replace that drive temporarily to put the optical back in. But I tell you what I did. I actually have a USB external optical drive. That's all I need. I just plug that in because let's be honest, I don't need that very often. So I just plug that in and work from there if I have to plug in a CD or a DVD. And that's those external drives are not very expensive at all, especially when you figure you're not going to need to use it very often. So why would you want to spend a lot of money? But how often would you use a second internal drive in your laptop? I know what I'm getting soon. <laughs> I'm getting one of these. Now, the only reason I haven't yet is I haven't decided whether I want to uh, go the SSD route as my boot drive and pick up all that speed gain or simply get a larger, uh, like a one terabyte, two and a half inch SATA hard drive to put as a second drive. I'm not sure yet. I mean, there's benefits to both, huge benefits to both. So I'm going to, I'm going to, Take my time to think about it a little bit more. But I'm curious if, if you had the option, would you go SSD or would you go standard hard drive as a second hard drive inside your laptop? Love to hear back from you. You can find me on Twitter. It's twitter.com slash OWC radio. You can send email to podcast at maxsales.com. Now, I mentioned Skype earlier. I have a telephone number on Skype that you can use. It's only to leave messages for this show or to contact me. It's not for other world computing and contacting them about a problem with your orders or questions about products. That's not what it's for. It's just to contact this show. It's 1-801-938-5559. If you call that number, it'll ask you to leave a message. Simply leave a message. I'll pull the audio from there and put it on the show. So I thank you very much for listening to OWC Radio number 32. We'll be back next week. I don't know if I'm going to be a proud owner of an iPhone 4 by that time or not. Um, I'm just not sure. Oh, one more thing. Guess what? It happened to me just yesterday before I wrap up the show. Just yesterday, I experienced my first earthquake. Now, I was not in California or Arizona or Utah or anywhere else that you would think, well, okay, you experienced an earthquake. No, I'm right here in Battle Creek, Michigan. Sitting here, it was after lunch. I was editing some video, and I noticed the cord going from the back of my MacBook Pro up to a shelf where my printer is, that's a USB cable, started swaying back and forth. 
And now I'm on the third floor, and I thought, that's kind of strange. And then I kind of noticed the whole building was swaying. A couple things fell off my shelf. The, uh, I don't know what you call it. It's this little air wick thing that every, I think, 15 minutes it squirts a, what do you call it, air freshener into the room. It smells like vanilla. That thing, it fell off the, the shelf, and um, I, got an envelope, I got a box full of envelopes, blank envelopes. That fell off the shelf. Uh, but I could feel the whole building slightly swaying back and forth. I've never experienced that before. And I've, I felt the ground, I thought, shake once during a movie theater when I heard there was an earthquake. And I thought, oh, yeah, I think I felt that. I felt it this time. It was an earthquake that hap- happened in Canada. And my understanding is up in the Ottawa area that we felt all the way down here in uh, southwest Michigan. And it was kind of eerie, to be honest. It It was... It was odd. Um, and I got a little bit queasy afterwards. Now, at the time that this happened, I didn't realize it was I was feeling an earthquake. I thought, you know, something fell in another room here, and I, I didn't know. It, it was really weird. Maybe a huge truck going by on the street outside. I wasn't sure. Um, but I thought it was weird that I kind of got queasy afterwards. And then, of course, when I did find out it was an earthquake, I thought, Okay, that makes sense. I've heard that uh, seismic activity can make some people queasy, and I guess I'm one of those people. So I better not move to California, right? <laughs> be queasy all the time. <laughs> but I just wanted to share. You know me, I'm a share. So with that, we're going to wrap up OWC Radio number 32. Love to hear back from you. Ever experienced an earthquake? Send me your story. Love to hear it. Play it right here on the show, podcast at maxsales.com. Make sure you visit www.maxsales.com for all your Macintosh needs, hard drives, memories, you name it, we got it. Make sure you check out the OWC Data Doubler. Really cool product. I'm going to actually be in Woodstock, Illinois at the corporate headquarters tomorrow, Friday, June 25th, to uh, look at the OWC Data Doubler a little bit more and do some installation videos so we can show you how to install it in your macbook or macbook pro that it's compatible with so if you buy it and you're not quite sure how to put it in we're going to have videos online really really soon on exactly how to do it so with that i'm wrapping up the show see you next week bye-bye